Hey, podcast listeners. Hey. Avengers yep. 2! It's been three years, fellas. Here it is. Ready to to be seen, enjoyed. Oh, we have seen it, and I think we enjoyed it. Most of it, that's for certain. Yes. We've had our disgruntlements, we'll get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but first, anything new on the Twitter? Uh, we got a new follower. Yes? Mustache P.I., oh. who I actually know him personally. He also uh, runs a Twitter account where he pretends to be me, at Fake Ben Anderson. Humorous. Yeah. <laughs> He's a cool dude. Anything new on the Facebook? Yeah, we got a few uh, new followers here. Shout outs. Shout outs to Sarah Lentner, Olak Olak, Jennifer Gish, and Jordan Anderson, who you, Ben, might also know in real life. Yeah. It's my stupid baby brother. <laughs> baby <laughs> nah he's like he's like four years younger than you nah he's like no. three he's like he's, i think he's 19 or something you don't even know <laughs> i don't know my own age i have to stop and think about it every time <laughs> i think i'm 23 <laughs> doesn't ha- does not help me get into bars and they like look at my id and then look at me and be like how old are you i'll be like 23, 22. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with this episode in Avengers 2, uh, we'd like to give a little bit of a pre-warning. Spoilers, as always. And the music used may not sound like the music on the original official original soundtrack. It's a bit modulated. Yeah. They sound close enough, a lot faster. But uh, if you were to line them up with, I don't know, the iTunes version and whatnot... Might sound a little funky chicken. Yeah. Okay, so anything else you guys got at? Go watch this movie. It's still in theaters. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's quite a fun time. It's and a as, romp. And as such, our uh, romp. numbers for the money this movie makes are pre- pretty much going to be out of date by the time. They're going to go up. They they going up. They're they going, going hit, way up. They're going to hit a lot. Yeah, by so. the time you listen to this a week from now. They're um, so high. Yeah. No lie. You know. Avengers Age of Ultron is ballin'. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so here's our bonus episode before our season four finale, Avengers Age of Ultron. Enjoy, everybody. Bye. Welcome to another episode of the Superhero Movie Club. I'm your comic book cultured host, Michael Maurer, joined in the studio today by the movie maestro, uh, James Skyler Hotzma, and the scientific scholar, Ben Anderson, and our other scientific scholar, future doctor, Grant Austin. That works. <laughs> movie review podcasts are a dime a dozen here at SHMC. We like to call ourselves a movie discussion podcast. We cover everything else about the movies you maybe didn't notice, including their budgets, music, source books, and hell, even the science. This week, I hope you're ready for Avengers Age of Ultron. Boom! Slash Avengers 2, slash whatever. A-U. 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 Avengers A-U. A-U. 
old McDonald had some Avengers. Ayo, ayo, ayo. You're comedic genius, Skylar. <laughs> yes, clearly. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> okay, then. Let's go with uh, first opinions. And we'll start with Ben. I really liked it. I really like how Joss Whedon hit you over the head with the, you know, political undertones or overtones, <laughs> as as it may be. Which political undertones? Um, that America's real bad at foreign policy because we go around accidentally creating our own enemies when we were trying to protect our own interests. The whole Slovakian thing? Uh, no, more like the whole Ultron thingy, like we create this thing that we think is going to help, but actually it just creates more enemies. Okay. That's what you read. I read, I read that on, I read, I got that from the New Yorker. Oh, their, okay. their review of this. They're like, yeah, it's good. A little heavy handed politically. And I'm like, oh yeah, well I, I get it. it I didn't sense. catch up on that. No. I was more in the personal feel. The oh, whole, you're the, just the duality of man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I suppose you're just not as sophisticated as me and don't read the New Yorker. Mm, <laughs> I don't think the New Yorker is the most sophisticated thing I've ever seen. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Keep in mind, this is coming from someone in the media field. So, oh, well, I also read the Economist, but they don't—they don't, they didn't have a review for this. <laughs> oh, <bummer. laughs> they didn't even have like uh, box office stats. Um, I don't know. All right. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about the movie? It was real good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. What was your favorite part? Oh gosh, um, that's a good question. Right at the beginning, there was that big chase sequence through the snow, and then. Like, they're all, like, lined up in one thing and all in one shot, and they're all in various poses, and then the titles come up. And I was like, okay, that's a cool shot. <laughs> it's a little neato. they always got to have that one big team shot. Exactly. Oh, yeah. uh, Avengers Age of Ultron is a really good marketing ploy by uh, Marvel. Really good movie. Not really. It's crammed with so much shit that it's impossible just to find one storyline that's, I think developed enough to be like wow that was really good instead of oh wow that was clipped off and not all that satisfying also language <laughs> yes thank you <laughs> it just slipped out no but passably entertaining satisfying eh maybe well I really liked it um, having only seen it once so it's really just my first impression but um, I really enjoyed that they focused a lot more on like the non-main Avengers, so didn't focus nearly as much on Iron Man and Captain America, and more focused on Hawkeye and Black Widow, and I thought that was definitely an interesting way to go. And the one thing I really didn't like too much was just there were so many like one-liners, so many jokes. It got a little like too much towards the end. I was like, uh, I'm tired of all these jokes. Like they were all funny, but I was just like, I don't want more jokes. I just want the movie to like progress take a situation seriously guys yeah. <laughs> goodness well i had been anticipating avengers 2 ever since avengers 1 came out and i think we all set the bar very high for this film like everyone set the bar really high because avengers is an instant classic the first one the novel idea of all these characters together under one roof fighting one conflict and i'm thinking okay now you have to do that again Without everybody anticipating just, like, the fact that it's new. Um, you have to create this new conflict. You have to make the stakes even higher. And I do agree, like, the action scenes, there were a lot of them. They were cool, but they were – there was – everybody had about three minutes to shine. 
and that's not really enough. Other than Hawkeye, Hawkeye had a, had a healthy chunk to shine. How much of the hype did people of of the three of you guys? How much hype did you buy into? Because I avoided all of it. I did not watch a single trailer for this movie. Oh, I did not read any of like the news for like the production. I didn't even know like that Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch were going to be in it. They showed them at the end of the credits for um, what was it, Captain America Two? They had yeah, um, uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Yeah, see, that was I was I was like that was like my <clears throat> first date with my girlfriend. I was like, I just want to leave the theater so I can leave the theater do other things. <laughs> I want to go make out I don't want to watch the after credit sequence <laughs> that's so funny um, I was very surprised with how human they made Ultron I was really expecting Ultron to be very robotic but instead he was this angry Tony Stark like this angry psychopathic Tony Stark and I'm like oh okay that's interesting that's the way they go with it but I was like wow he's getting really emotional at points and I'm like, aren't you a robot? Oh, but wait. Artificial intelligence. So let's talk about money. Money. Ooh, money, money, money. And money, we don't money, have money. the full stats on money because we're doing this. It's still in theaters. It is. It's still fresh in theaters. So going by the numbers that were available as of this recording, which according to Box Office Mojo, Mojo is... May 14th. May 12th. That's, oh. That's the most updated. Oh, Okay. Okay. <laughs> We're recording this on the 14th. Yes. Uh, production budget, regardless of the day, is $250 million. Holy buckets. So, yeah, that's pretty much on the high end. Buckets of money. <laughs> Disney's Disney's okay with that. Well, this was a slam dunk of, like, investment. Like, well, people There's are pretty much no way this. they could lose money on this. But as of May 12th, its domestic gross is $324.7 million. So it's already made up its production budget in just the U.S. Foreign gross, $607.4 million. Are we already at a billion dollars? We are not at a billion dollars. We're yet. close, wah, wah, wah. though. Oh, my gosh. By the end of this weekend, we will be at a billion dollars. Right now, $932.1 million. So, so close. It's not quite there yet. Where is it? Where, where is it already in terms of other superhero films? terms of other superhero films uh is it like already in the top 10 i i'm sure it's in the top 10 below the la- last two nolan batman movies and iron man 3 and obviously the first avengers so that's about fifth i believe anyway the analysts are expecting this to outgross the first avengers worldwide probably not domestic but <laughs> surprisingly enough uh it actually has competition this early because uh, Furious Seven sitting at about one billion four hundred something. Oh my god! And it's gosh. about to surpass the first Avengers. So Furious Seven, yeah. Oh my gosh! To become the third biggest movie of all time. So man, what is it? Gone with the Wind and Titanic or something? <laughs> Not adjusted for inflation. Not adjusted. Oh, okay, Avatar and Titanic. Oh, okay. Man, if James Cameron ever directed a Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> well, well, that's the thing about, what is it, uh, post? 9-11. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, uh, when a dead person performs. Post-mortem. Posthumous. Uh, postpartum depression. No. Po- post-mortem. Pos- posthumous. Jesus, you're popping into the mic. <laughs> well, uh, posthumous. Is that, is, that, is that better? I did yes. the whole, like, 
<laughs> yeah, I did the whole trick with your finger. <laughs> well, yeah, postmodern performances. Amazing. Yes, someone died, and now people are very interested in seeing it. Although, like Freddie Mercury's well, hologram. He, that and he like he died tragically, right? And in kind of an ironic way, like Freddie Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> well, so yeah, we could, have no doubt that this movie. Do you think this movie will surpass Avengers One? Oh yeah, like worldwide. Yes. Yes. Worldwide. Uh, yes. Okay. U.S., probably not. Okay. Well, then let's get on to comic books and storylines and all that fun funness. Let's start with the uh, civilian characters and Laura Barton. You know, all remember her? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Linda Cardellini, is that who played her? I think so. Yeah. Hawkeye's wife. Oh, okay. In the cabin. Why didn't you just say that? Uh, because her name is Laura Barton. Well, okay. <laughs> the char- the character's name is Laura Barton. Um, now, she only exists in the Ultimate Marvel Universe, created by Mark Miller and Brian Hitch. And the Ultimate Hawkeye had a, managed to have a, a wife and family on the side of his shield stuff uh, in the regular Marvel Universe, that's not the case. He has a lot of different girlfriends. But in the Ultimate, he had this one storyline. And the thing is, though, uh, she was murdered. And spoilers, murdered by Black Widow. Because Black Widow is way more shady in the Ultimate Universe. And actually does, when she goes double agent, she actually does bad things. (laughs) Um, And there are consequences. So, I hope they don't go that route in the films. That'd be quite tragic and very, very dark. Yeah. But then again, it would give Black Widow something to do. (laughs) That'd be nice. Other than forced romance. Yeah. Then let's go. Let's just head head it off with a a big hero, and that's Vision. Vision was made in 1968 by Stan Lee, Roy Thomas, and John Buscema. And he is an android made out of synthetic materials. So he's very, very close to a human being. In like appearance, but not in actual cellular tissue. It's kind of weird how they described him. Isn't that the second reincarnation of Vision? There yeah. was one in the forties that was not an android, right? That's the Golden Age Vision. Yeah. We had, uh, well, there's a, there's a few of those, like the Golden Age Angel and Golden Age Human Torch. Yeah, they're all. He's actually quite big, ish. <laughs> Biggish. He's still around, is the thing. No. Um, this Golden Age Vision is not around. Nobody cares <laughs> about him. Yeah, he was just a vigilante in a cape. Mm. It's kind of his thing. This Vision, much more interesting because he's a android with the brainwave patterns of Wonder Man, who is was a dead Avenger at the time. And so he's constantly coming to grips of, with his purpose because he was originally created by Ultron to kill the Avengers. Because uh, Ultron couldn't do it himself. I don't know why. Pansy. So he made Vision, and then Vision just, like, gained self-actuality and was like, oh, I don't know. I think I want to fight for the side of life. But interesting things they might go towards with the with his rela- how they created him in the film is that we might see his romantic relationship with Scarlet Witch. That has been a long-running bit in the comics. Well, they're certainly not going to get into the... The whole Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver romance thing. Oh, I'll get to that. Thank God. I'll get to that. And also, the jewel he has was just like a solar gem made up mumbo-jumbo in the comic books. 
here we have a wonderful clever switch to bring him tie him closer to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and giving him the Mind Stone. You know, something that's already been established in in their continuity instead of just making something up that gives him life. And I thought that was really nice. And of course it makes him magic too. Now but now Vision has magic abilities as well as being an android. He's that synthesis between whatever whatever the infinity stones are. Magic. <laughs> and yeah. machinery. Uh, next up, we have all the villains. Baron Strucker, 1964, Stanley, and Jack Kirby. And we only saw... This isn't the first appearance of Baron Strucker. We saw him in Captain America 2. He is, he is the current leader of HYDRA and commander in the film, as well as many different times in the comic books. It's sort of a cycling rotation between like him, Red Skull, and Baron Von Zemo, and all of their offspring. <laughs> <laughs> all of their kids end up becoming leaders of HYDRA, too. And yeah. I don't know who the heck had who the mothers of those children. Yeah. All of them have kids. Was he originally an Avengers villain, a Captain America villain, or something else? Captain America villain. Okay. And he, his big thing is that he was revived. Like, he was a Captain America villain, so he was way back when Captain America was around. And then he gets revived by Hydra. And in reviving him, they use this thing called a death spore. Uh, because he died by being, like, absorbed by a death spore bomb which is a made-up thing. But now he has the ability to sort of control this death spore to a certain extent, and he's made it so that if he ever dies again, he'll explode and, like, release this deadly virus on the world. Um, So he's kind of a walking contamination. Uh, That's all on Baron Strucker. Whether or not they'll bring him back to life in the movies, who knows? He wasn't really that significant. Uh, Then we have Ulysses S. Claw. 1966, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby shoehorned into the Avengers film. <laughs> it's just like, hey, Black Panther's a thing. <laughs> hey, you know that movie that's coming out in more than three years from now? Here I'm, you go. Here, I'm going to be in it, and I'm Andy Serkis. Ulysses uh, S. Claw is, he studies sonics, and he needs vibranium, which was that wonderful metal they keep alluding to in the Marvel Universe, to power his sonic device. He's a constant villain of Black Panther because he needs to go to Wakanda to get the vibranium, kind of like how they described it in the film. And so, like, oh, great, that's going to happen. Why'd that need to happen in the movie here? Mm, colonizing metaphor. <laughs> but his big thing also was that at one point, he actually, like, got absorbed into his sonic machine and became just an entity of living sound. So we might be able to see that in the future, or probably not, because that's a lot to take in. Or it might just be the climax of the Black Panther movie. Well, Andy Serkis is big into motion capture, so... Oh, that's right. (laughs) Gotta keep that in mind. He's played a gorilla, he's played another thing, and another thing. He's played a golem. (laughs) And now he can play a sound wave. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! He's a cool dude. Uh, And then, you know, next up is the... uh, the duo of Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. I've talked a bit about Quicksilver in the Days of Future Past podcast episode, but this is the first time we see him in, in Marvel's restrictions, and really it's just the same thing. He was he's, he's not a mutant, but he's got super speed, and he's related to Wanda. I found it interesting how they used the... You know the terminology enhanced, the enhanced to oh yeah, you know, kind of get around the whole mutant thing. I thought isn't, were... isn't the very word mutant in that context um, copyrighted? Oh yeah, yep. Okay, 
Completely. <laughs> and then this is the first time we see full-blown Scarlet Witch. Uh, she was made in 1964 by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. And she has a hex power. Um, like Jonah. <laughs> Jeez, no. Uh, and, and it causes bad luck. It has evolved through the years to the point where it can actually alter reality. So instead of just like causing bad luck, she increases the probability of bad luck things to happen. And then eventually she's able to just actually control reality. Uh, and that has led to a comic book series called House of M where she actually just changed the world and such. And and it ended with her depowering 90% of the world's mutants. So that was interesting for the X-Men for a while. And then there's the Ultimate Scarlet Witch and like the Ultimate Quicksilver, which is where they're more closely tied to. But it's sort of an inside joke in the production or, or between Elizabeth Olsen and Aaron Taylor Johnson to sort of hint at that incestuous relationship that those characters in the comic books have. And in the movies, you can see them always looking at each other longingly and always touching each other in semi-awkward ways. And you're like, is something going on there? Ah, whatever. These two were, like, more up on each other in this movie than they were when they starred together in Godzilla. <laughs> and here they played brother and sister. Yeah. Her powers are different also in the Ultimate World because she has to do the math. So I don't know where this whole mind control stuff comes from in the movie. Her powers don't really make sense in the film, like, at all. They're just random magic that serves the plot. <laughs> yep. Yep. They don't They don't even try to explain them. And then finally, we have the big baddie, Ultron, made in 1968 by Roy Thomas and John Buscema. And, of course, he creates the Vision, and... He hates his creator, which in comic book context is Hank Pym, Ant-Man. Uh, not the Ant-Man we're going to see in the next movie. That's Scott Lang, Ant-Man. Michael Douglas will play the Hank Pym character. The The choices they're making are very deviant from the comic books, and so it's kind of confusing to explain. Um, but basically, you have Ultron, made by Hank Pym, and then he hates Hank Pym, and he wants to kill him, and that's his whole purpose. What they did in the film, you have Ultron created by Tony Stark slash Bruce Banner, and he hates Tony Stark, and he wants to kill him, and that's the plot of the movie. <laughs> and that's it's very, very similar. And also, making it created by Tony Stark instead of Hank Pym, much better like thematic choice plot-wise and how they've developed the Tony Stark character. Because why would you just suddenly create this random scientist who made Ultron? It wouldn't have as much... Girth? Wait. Wait. Thank you. <laughs> and that's it. Avengers comic book characters. Oh, I'm sorry. There's Helen Cho as well. And I forgot to write down stats on Helen Cho, but I'm pretty sure she's in the comic books, and she's like the mother <laughs> of this character called Amadeus Cho, who's like the seventh smartest person in the world. But whatever. <laughs> that's his superpower. He's the seventh smartest person. Yeah, that's his tagline. Is He's a kid. He's the seventh smartest kid in the world, or person. <laughs> Behind, like, Reed Richards, oh, Tony yeah. Stark, and Hank Pym, and all those guys. Oh, yeah. Well, good for him. <laughs> Skywar, music me. Music! Avengers Age of Ultron assembled its own team of composers for the, this time around. In one corner, we've got Brian Tyler, who is returning from scoring Iron Man 3 and Thor The Dark World. And in the other corner, we have Danny Elfman, who scored just 
just about every bomb diggity score there's ever been. <laughs> well, just just to name a couple, Batman, Spider Man, uh, the Flash 1990 television series. Oh, did he? Mm-hmm. That's right. Tales from the Crypt. He's done basically all of Tim Burton's movies. All of them. <laughs> Didn't even voice Jack Skellington. His singing voice. Yep. Oh my goodness. So go Danny Elfman. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Tyler scored most of the movie, you know, incidental music, all that fun stuff. And then Elfman came in, took Alan Silvestri's theme from the first Avengers, and kind of chopped it up and reworked it into a new, more specific theme for this movie. And we can hear that in the track called Heroes. Fans of the original Avengers score will not go amiss when they hear the dun 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 dun. But it's under it, now it's undertone with like this womp sound. Is that supposed to be like now there's Ultron? Uh, apparently so, but probably more along those lines is a track called "Fighting Back." Now with the well, basically the Marvel scores in general, they usually don't go for really big prominent villain themes. And I wouldn't say that's the case here either, but there is a little motif that keeps showing it its face throughout the movie. And I think it's what we're supposed to gather as a sort of theme for Ultron. So let's take a listen. be the judge on that one i think it's clear enough but still have to keep your ears open for it we all know ultron's theme is there's no strings on me that's true one of the many benefits of marvel shacking up with disney (laughs) being able to use disney songs yes to make them really flipping creepy the most obscure 1940s disney songs before they know it um (laughs) the next i don't know civil war is going to be like April showers brings May flowers is just going to be so flippin' creepy and messed up. <laughs> twip, twip, twip. April shower. <laughs> so since Tyler is coming back from Iron Man 3 and Thor The Dark World, you can hear elements of his themes from both of those movies. One of them is in the track Hulkbuster, which accompanies, you know, the big fight between Iron Man and his Veronica armor against... Uh, a raged out Hulk. I can't quite remember if you get the Iron Man theme. 
Hulkbuster? I hardly know her. Oh, <laughs> there so it is. Bad. Thank you. Gross. It's <laughs> nice. not appropriate, kids. <laughs> Don't listen to Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben? Uncle Ben. <laughs> Don't, ever, Don't ever call me that again. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I had to include this next track, The Mission, because for my money, it's probably the best musical moment of the film. And it's not big and boisterous either it's just one of the build-up moments when uh captain america is kind of outlining what their final mission in sokovia is going to be and it's intercut with moments of like scarlet wish brainwashing people to get out of the city it's just one of those subtle moments that work really well for me so this is the mission And of course, where would we be without the money shot of the movie? Not the first. <laughs> <laughs> Not the first don't money ever, shot. Don't ever call it that. <laughs> okay. You're setting up a lot of rules, Ben. Yeah. Don't ever tell me what I can't do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, in the less truncated version, the one shot where the Avengers are all together and doing that one thing at the end of the movie. Not the money shot. Why do you mean so vague? I don't know. Uh, specifically, it's... <laughs> I'm playing the music. Go ahead. Still laughing. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, let's just do New Avengers, the future of you know. Just, just the, play the music, the song New Avengers. Yes.
Bringing back that hammer on anvil sound. Can't have a Marvel movie without it. Or at least an Iron Man and Thor movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, while we're on the topic of New Avengers, bit of a side note. How did you guys like the new lineup? Ah. Uh? Uh, what new lineup? Falcon, War Machine, Captain America, Black Widow, Vision, Scarlet Witch. Decent. Yeah? Should make an, for an interesting first part of the Infinity War. Mm-hmm. I really thought it was cool that we're like getting a whole new set and all that. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, man. Falcon and War Machine are like the exact same character. <laughs> They're both the moral support, support to their white leading males. They're, I'm sorry, they're both the funny black guys to their white leading males, and they both use super suits. Yep. Yeah, but Falcon's way cooler. And neither of them have really been, like, dived into at all. Dove. Nope. <laughs> Dove into. Sorry. Delved into. Ah, oh, that's yeah. it. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we continue playing the word game. Anything else on music you want to talk about, Sky Guy? No, that should do it. Check out the Avengers Age of Ultron soundtrack on your own time for more cool tracks. All right, fellas. How are you doing over there, Ben? I'm good. How are you? I'm also good. Oh, that's great. Wonderful to hear it. Uh, You've been kind of sitting patiently interjecting at your leisure, but now it's time for you guys to shine in this week's science section. So what are we talking about first? (laughs) What What about meteors do you want to know? I just want a confirmation that Ultron's plan was sound like there wasn't anything physically detrimental about it well well, the whole getting the whole half of a country into the air was pretty ridiculous but i mean it was half of a city yeah but Uh, i mean a a media that size would wipe out the world it does uh, not take that would definitely a a meteor 10 kilometers across could you know if drops from a sufficiently high height would destroy the world plus whatever that ridiculous engine thing they had going inside it was uh propelling it towards the earth as well so yeah it would definitely have wiped out everyone if you you want a a really interesting look at meteors and how bad they are for you um read what if by randall monroe the creator of xkcd they have a chapter on meteor strikes and how the dinosaurs died basically meteor comes down and it lands and there's a big crater right but then all the, like, all the dirt and whatever that gets blasted out goes at such high speed that it heats up or is launched in the atmosphere and then falls back down. It heats up, and you got, like, it's basically just, like, raining fire, literally. And you die a horrible death, and it's, like, 400 degrees all over the Earth. So tell me, do you, does anyone here know if, like, the world has a contingency plan for a giant meteor? We can barely even figure out that they're coming towards the Earth until about a couple hours before they hit. Oh, boy. Like, yeah. Or, like, they, nothing's hit yet, but, like, we've, we are real bad at detecting catastrophically large meteors. Thankfully, like, the odds of, like, a meteor that size actually hitting us are pretty tiny, plus most yeah. of the medium-sized ones sort of break up before they... Extinction-level uh, meteors have hit the Earth, I don't know how many times, like four times in the history of the planet. Which, yeah, several billion years. So Yeah, it's it's like once in a billion years is are these events, so... So was Ultron sound in saying that the only thing living on the planet would be metal after that thing, or what, even the metal? And just anything that buries nasty. its eggs underground, because while the whole atmosphere would heat up real hot, that warmth would not... Like, that heat would not penetrate very far into the crust of the Earth, and so anything living underground 
would survive. That's why we still have like crocodiles because they bury their eggs. And so they've been around since before the dinosaurs, but they didn't go extinct with the dinosaurs because all their eggs were buried and didn't get destroyed by a meteor. I consider them dinosaurs. Well, yeah, they, they're actually much older than dinosaurs. Chickens are more like dinosaurs than crocodiles. Amazing. I'm going to think on that for the next half hour. (laughs) (laughs) So can we take a quick moment to discuss vision? If you want, you someone else do it. I don't want to. He's magic. Visions, well, Pretty visions much, powers yeah. because his powers are like technopathy, and as well as being able to control technopathy. His, yeah. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Technopath, like to mentally control like machinery and technology and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, so telepathy, but only for Tec- mach- yeah machines. Because like when he Which touched Ultron and he was like, "Let's go!" and they did that weird graphic where it was like blue versus orange. Ooh. Oh yeah. We can understand what's happening yeah. at a very basic level. Yep. I'm I'm referring to also his ability to control his molecular density as it's described in the comic books. Okay. And you get a piece of that cuz like when he's when he's punching people, it's a, it's what allows him to fly and phase through things. So, so he can change his molecular density without changing his volume. So he can change his mass at will. He can create and destroy mass without viola- without a corresponding increase or decrease in energy in the system, which means he can violate the law of conservation of mass and energy. Which means he's magic. Yeah. Because <laughs> screw thermodynamics. Vision yeah. doesn't have time for Conser- that. Conservation shit. of mass energy is like the most fundamental law of physics, and he can violate it, which means he has to just be magic. There's no other word for it. Well, he does have a magic stone in his head. He does have that magic stone. Yeah. That's labeled infinity. <laughs> Not to mention he's made of the strongest metal in this universe, so... Mixed with all sorts of organic crap to make him seem more human. So yeah, just to make like him, to make him Paul Bettany. Yeah, essentially. Oh, man, when Paul Bettany showed up, mm, great spot. I forgot. I totally forgot to mention how much I love the fact that Paul Bettany got FaceTime in this film. Has he been Jarvis and all of them? Or whole time. Whole time. That's what I thought. But like, it is nice to actually see him like with a role that's not just a computer program. What makes that even better is that uh, supposedly, like, a few minutes before he got the call to take that role, a producer told him he'd never work in Hollywood again. <laughs> who, who the hell said that? Some idiot. The, of the role for Jarvis? No, the role for Vision. What? <laughs> it's not like Jarvis was going away. No, but... All right, then let's talk about the big thing. The big thing. Yeah. That is artificial intelligence. This is a fun one. Have we discussed artificial intelligence in a superhero film yet? I don't think so. I think this is the first one. Wow. I feel as if, like, we should have definitely done that by now. Yeah, well. When when has artificial intelligence shown up other than in Iron Man 3 with Jarvis? Jarvis, And he's not technically artificial intelligence. Yeah, he is. is. Yeah. Well, they don't describe him as that in well, the movie. Well, it they doesn't. You don't have do. to describe something as something for it to actually be that thing. I yeah. know. I'm just. Well, and when they're comparing it to like the AI thing that they're getting from this Mind Stone, they're like, "This is how far I can get by myself, and this is what this can do already." And so they are comparing two things. You have to kind of assume that Jarvis is AI if the Mind Stone is AI. Mm. So okay. So where do you want to start, fellas? I want to start with, oh gosh, Ultron, I guess. I don't know. I don't know where I want to start. There's oh, so much to say. Yeah. We could talk about AI for days. We could. Um, well, well, do it in the context of Ultron then. Okay. okay. So Ultron is like a artificial intelligence scientist's worst nightmare <laughs> where you have an artificial intelligence 
that is hyper-intelligent, so it's smarter than any human or any other artificial intelligence, and it gets out. Like it's able to interact it's with able to, the web. So there's an idea in artificial intelligence um, called, I forget what it's called, I think it's called the black box. Basically it's like, well, we have this artificial intelligence, but we don't want it to get loose on the internet and destroy international commerce or like nuclear launch codes or whatever. So what we will do is we will keep it in its own closed network of servers or whatever, and will never get out. It will never leak onto the internet, and we will just like go. If someone wants to interact with this AI, they go to this machine, and they type in their commands and whatever, and then it's never actually allowed to leave this one computer. And what Ultron does is he gets out. There's a a part thought experiment, part actual. Th- experiment that a computer scientist did um, that says that if you try to put a hyper-intelligent AI in a box, so to speak, that will not work because it can convince you to let it out of the box. Oh my god, Merely Merely talking to a hyper-intelligent AI is dangerous. So what this guy did is he set up the saw experiment and said, okay, we have an AI in the box. If you talk to it, it will 100% of the time be able to convince you to let it out of the box. Therefore, any hyperintelligent AI is dangerous. And to prove this, he said, well, I am a human, so we'll set up the scenario where we have two people talking over a text, like a chat interface. One person plays the role of the AI, one person plays the role of the human, and it's the AI avatar's goal to convince the other person to let them out of the box without, like, threatening them, coercing them, or even, like, just tricking them into giving an answer, but actually convince them. And a human was pretending to be an AI was able to convince another human to let them out of the box. That's terrifying. So a hyperintelligent AI would be able to do that. There's a movie in theaters right now called Ex Machina. That is basically the summary of that movie's plot, except instead of you know tricking whatever, it's more seducing. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Let's uh, Grant tell me about. The difference, then, we have Vision. He's an AI, and so why is there such a change between him and Ultron? Okay, well, for one thing, both of these systems are, like, considerably further advanced than anything we have today. Like, our smartest AI, so to speak, is only about as intelligent as a cockroach, and that type of computer would still take up, like, rooms of space because it would have to be huge. So, like, they're both completely far in the future from what we have now but anyway to get what tony stark had with jarvis you would have to have a bunch of transistors working in parallel with each other so they can run multiple calculations and do multiple things at once and that's kind of like how the brain works a little bit but even as best as tony stark can do it he can't get it to nearly the capacity of like a brain Whereas with the Mind Stone, it basically is already set up like a brain. So it already has millions of quote-unquote neurons, but they aren't really neurons, are connected in all sorts of different pathways. And these are what is allowing it to be so intelligent because it can run hundreds of thousands of calculations all at the same time and make decisions super quickly. And not get an Oedipus complex? So in, in computer science, there's this notion of what's called a friendly AI because if you just create an artificial intelligence and it becomes sentient, sapient, conscious, whatever you want to call it, there's no reason for us to assume that it has 
if it has morality, there's no reason for us to assume it has a priori the same moral reasoning that we do. And so the goal is if we create a artificial consciousness that it is benevolent to humans because you have to explicitly make it benevolent because there's no reason to expect it would be naturally like like humble benevolent wanting to serve us and not wanting to destroy us basically oh unless you make it incredibly intelligent and have the technology to make it able to learn things if you program it to be benevolent it'll probably stay benevolent because while an ai has a ton of memory and could like memorize literally all the information in the world it can't really learn how to feel new emotions unless you program it that way unless like in the future we have computers so intelligent that they can do that themselves but right now like if you but if if they were intelligent to figure things out for themselves the way you're talking about there's no reason to to have them adopt the same moral reasoning that we have are there certain because i'm so intrigued by this right now are there certain books you would recommend to people that have or like books or movies go to wikipedia um, look up the article on artificial intelligence go to suggested readings or further readings or whatever that thing at the bottom is called and just read all like the papers and books that they have also for the non-physicist scientist who doesn't know that much about the background of these topics you could read physics of the future by michio kaku and it is very Mm -hmm. like dumbed down for the average person but it still goes pretty in depth as to like how ai will develop within the next hundred years in his predictions which he's a pretty smart guy so like they're probably going to be fairly accurate there's also a book called i think it's rapture for the geeks talks about stuff like this fascinating all right do we have any um that was just like a wild ride i just told you we're talking about avengers too right guys yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, do we have any fun facts regarding this film, its production? Sky Guy? Joss Whedon recently said this movie broke him. Oh, like emotionally? Probably all oh, of the above. Oh, oh, I see. Like, ex- I'm sure it's extremely exhausting to make a movie like this. Right. He said he second-guessed himself a lot, and he's still unsure as to whether the finished product was what he wanted it to be. So, Yeah, because there was a lot of studio pressure in this film. Yeah, there was this whole thing between him about Thor's little side story that had almost nothing to do with the movie and then the farmhouse scene. It was like, you're going to keep this Thor parts in or we're going to pull the trigger on the farmhouse. And it's like... Because this, this Marvel really wanted so many elements to be lead-ups lead to the next films. And it, and it caused the movie to suffer to a point. And so I can imagine how the person who has taken upon himself to make this movie his artistic property would feel as if it's being sort of manipulated. manipulated yeah. I think even a rare talent greater than Joss Whedon's would have a hard time with the demands that were put upon this movie. So, Yeah. If, if you think this film was bad, just try and imagine the pressure of those involved. Right. Who were involved in creative decisions and... Maybe not so much the actors who just did things. Well, I suppose if they got their characters restricted, that's a part of them as well. Apparently, an early cut of this movie was close to three hours? Yeah. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I remember seeing that Spider-Man was supposed to make an appearance. uh, Captain Marvel was supposed to make an appearance. And that both were sort of shirked out due to scheduling conflicts. Yeah. Spider-Man, I heard that's just a rumor. Like, they did the fake... 
after credits thing that some fans just whipped up. Captain Marvel was like in the script for a long time, but then at the last minute they, you know, couldn't line anything up. So the very last shot or, you know, the second to last shot of the movie where they're going through the new lineup and Scarlet Witch comes in, that was like a plate for them to have Captain Marvel there instead. Who's did have they picked out who's playing Captain Marvel? No. Oh. Last I heard, they're just looking for a director right now. Oh, okay. Because I remember hearing for a while it might have been Katie Sackhoff. Yeah, I think she's been, like, lobbying for that role, but nothing official yet. Okay. Um, ooh, here's a fun, interesting fact. In the mid credit scene, you see Thanos go, fine, I'll do it myself. And he grabs the Infinity Gauntlet, and it has none of the gems in it. Stones, whatever. But if we go back all the way to Thor 1... We see in their chamber or whatever, filled with fun little goodies, the yeah, vault. Odin's vault. Yeah. We see an infinity gauntlet there that has all of the gems in it, but it's for the other hand. Right. So Ooh. what is that? Very, very, very clever foreshadowing or just totally bonkers oversight? <laughs> I'm inclined to think the latter that they will make us think is the former later. <laughs> Marvel loves being ambiguous right. <laughs> in order to set itself up. We're never at fault because eventually they're going to start making some massive continuity errors and it's going to turn into X-Men people. It's just there's it's it's what's it called? Critical, Too big. Yeah. Critical mass is going to finally be reached because yeah. it's got to keep itself within the television shows as well. This world is getting like what are conflicts in this world? Everything must become personal. Otherwise, your sense of scale is just going to consistently be undermined. Some of us may argue that this movie was critical mass, but... Yeah, but I mean, it still wasn't like a bad movie. No, no. Another fun fact. The uh, actors in this movie did not have a fun time on their press rounds, especially since Robert Downey Jr. had that instance where the interviewer started asking him about his past with all the drugs and the general messing up. His father issues, yeah. Why do you bring that up? (laughs) And that got uncomfortable. And then he walked out. He did walk out. He said, I'm getting a little bit of a Diane Sawyer Sawyer vibe vibe. and you're a bit of a schmuck. And he walked out. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Yeah. And then Jeremy Renner and uh, Chris Evans got in hot water for calling Black Widow a whore, I think it was. Whoa, what? Yeah. Something along those lines. It's like, oh, she just leads everyone on. Oh, in a very tongue-in-cheek matter. Right. I was going to say, that that could not have, like, as far as all the reports say, those cast members love each other. Right. There might be some hidden thing we don't know. I've never met them. I've never seen them. Maybe they're just talking about the character, though, and not necessarily Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, but, I mean, it'd still be a dig on... Yeah, but... It must have been very cheekish, but everybody took it the wrong way. I don't know... Like, any of the context for that. (laughs) Neither do I. No. And then finally, I still have... I have yet to find that glorious picture of James Spader in his pajamas for this role. One day. (laughs) Well, you see, the thing is, on set, they would have James Spader wear this, like, headband thing that had these two giant, like, antennae with um, giant red balls. Where, where Ultron's eyes were going to be, because Ultron's like eight feet tall, and James Spader's considerably shorter than that. Because <laughs> mm-hmm, right. they had they had James Spader in motion capture. 
So, but people still had to maintain eye contact with an eight foot tall robot. So you have James Spader just looking ridiculous, but talking extremely menacingly <laughs> to all of these actors, and it's like kind of like a giggling situation. <laughs> Do we have any because of this movie? Let's get a couple in there real quick, because I mean, our fun facts have sort of mushed together with because of this movie sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because of this movie, I'm kind of worried about Captain America: Civil War because if they have time. A hard time keeping twenty characters together. This next movie is going to have like double that. And it, really, it makes me really scared. Give us the porn one, Ben. I guess I actually, <laughs> I actually can't think of one. I was stalling. <laughs> Something about a Hulkbuster. <laughs> Avengers. Black, Age. Black Black Widow takes a Hulkbuster. <laughs> oh, oh. Avengers Age of Hard On. <laughs> Avengers Age of Buttron. <laughs> Silence. Ass Avengers. Um, <laughs> Ass Avengers. Um, Is this going to be a new segment? I can we just I... turn the title into any kind of porn movie we can think of? God. Oh, we're done. All right. <laughs> we're done. Superhero Movie Club is recorded and produced in the studios of KMSU in Mankato, Minnesota. If you want to tweet any questions to us or just continue discussion on this show's topic, follow us on Twitter at SuperheroMC. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes so you can catch every episode as it comes out. And like us on Facebook to keep up to date with us throughout each week. Next show's topic is... The season four finale. Woo! Finally got there with the Slap Happy Movie Time guys again. Oh, yeah. I know we promised it a while back, but now it's happening. (laughs) Just so much exciting stuff has been on. on. We just pushed it off for another month. (laughs) Two weeks, but yeah. Has it only been two weeks? Mm -hmm. It has. That'll do it today. I'm your host, Michael Maurer, James Skyler Hutzma, and I'm Ben Anderson. And I'm Grant Austin. I hope you all have a super week. Our world's about-